Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. This is going to be not short, but I'm giving myself half an hour to get stuff recorded, which probably puts this at like 20 minutes or so. You guys see how it goes. So it's been a kind of a crazy week. Let me start off by saying I published a couple of things this week. Number one, I published an awesome video I'm really happy with. I think everybody seems to really like it on how to level up your Apple Reminders app. Now, all this really was was going through mostly new features, some features that weren't new, and people were like, hey, Chris, that was already around. But yeah, I know, but I'm just trying to make an interesting video. So I liked it too because I got to learn and try some stuff out with that video. I think personally my favorite tip or, or feature, the, the new feature with reminders, has got to be probably just the tags. And, and then how I figured out during that video that you can batch tag stuff by creating a bunch of reminders and then selecting multiple reminders and dropping them, dragging and dropping them onto a tag, that's pretty cool. That's a great way to, to just get stuff out of your head, but then organize it later. That's mostly what I like with this new reminders update is that it's all about getting stuff out of your head. Don't have to worry about it. If you tag it, uh, then you're just, you're good to go. You, you can worry about the organization later or it, with those tags, you don't even have to really do anything else. Now, I got an interesting comment on that video, and it's a legitimate comment. Someone was like, you know, I'm not trying to be a pain, but how, why even use these tags for your reminders in the first place instead of just folders? And for me, the answer is three things. Number one, it's just faster to just add that tag with the hashtag just right when you're creating a reminder. Number two, I feel like it's less cluttered because like I mentioned in the video, I plan on using less folders. I'm only going to use two folders, one for work, one for personal, and then let the tags be my project level, you know, well, basically the, the way I organize the projects or anything within those two big buckets. And the last thing, and I think this is important, and this is something you're not going to get with folders, is that it just lets you control things on a more granular level. And that may sound like it's more work, but it really isn't thanks to the new uh, smart list feature. So like I showed in the video, it really matters where you create a reminder. If you go into a smart list that you created and create a reminder there, it's automatically going to add all the attributes that would make something show up show up in that smart list for you. So you don't have to remember like, okay, now if I add these tags uh, or these parameters like this geolocation, okay, what do I need to do to get it to show up in that smart list? No, you don't have to do that. Just create stuff in that smart list and it'll take care of it for you but more granular control. So that video is doing well, people are liking it, and it's kind of building on the other video that had to do with Apple Notes, leveling up your Apple Notes, going through some of those new features, and people have been asking for a series, turn this into a series. Uh, there's been a lot of requests for Calendar, there's been a lot of requests for the Apple Mail app, and it's possible, I, I can see myself doing those, and you know, it seems like there's a lot of interest there, and I don't think a lot of people are putting out videos on these subjects, they're more hitting just like the broader stuff, like, you know, whether it's 300 new features in iOS or macOS or whatever, or their top 15 features. But this really delves into, um, speaking of granular, stuff that happens within these important core apps. And I think there's a hunger for that. People want to see it. So, yeah, I can see myself doing some more of those videos, making a series out of it. It may appear that there was only one video on the channel this week, but that's not really the case. Uh, I did put one out, but it was an experimental video, and I'm, I'm going to experiment from time to time. It's just something that you have to do as a creator. You don't want to get stuck in a rut. You got to try new things, and so I did. I tried something new, and uh, I took it down already because it underperformed, and I didn't want to leave it up there with that 
type of performance because it just doesn't look good. But I was kind of following along some advice that I got from Gary V. Uh, and he was talking about put something out there and let the market decide. Because sometimes as a creator, you have these ideas for what might make a really good video or piece of content, but you don't post it. Cause you're like, no, I just don't know about it. And he's like, let the market decide. And so I did, I did this week. I, I kind of haven't had an idea and it mostly, I think it ended up bombing because it was just too hyper-focused on something that nobody cares enough about, which was the typing experience on an iPad versus a Mac. Although when I hear myself talk about it, there's some interest there, you know, which one's a better writing experience, which one's a better typing experience. But anyways, um, it didn't go well. And so I took it off. I'm not going to leave it up, which is another way of saying the market spoke. You guys said, hey, we're not interested in it. And you didn't explicitly say that with a comment, but but maybe you saw it and decided not to click. And that's the same thing. The algorithm didn't pick it up. And so whatever, I'll just move on. But, you know, the videos before that, those level up videos, those were experiments too. And those were experiments that worked and did well. And so it's just part of the creator game, trying stuff out and seeing what works and what doesn't. So do I regret doing it? Well, I can't say that I do because now I know what doesn't work. It's kind of along the lines of uh, who, who was a light bulb dude. And he's like, you know, now I know these hundred ways how to not create a light bulb. And if he had just given up on try 200 or 300 or whatever, he wouldn't have eventually found the one way to create the light bulb, you know? So yeah, it's kind of like that. So it's not a total loss, but it was a lot of work for just taking it off. And the bummer is like, it wouldn't have mattered. It was doing so badly. It wouldn't have mattered if I had posted or not. It was doing that badly. I do want to give an update on the studio beats. Uh, so these are the in-ear earbuds from Beats that I got early. And you might think, hey, Chris gets so many things like this. He probably doesn't even use those anymore. But that's not the case. I've seen a lot of comments, other creators telling me, you know, I'm still using these, especially for workouts. And that's what I've got to say, too, is I'm still using them mostly for workouts. But I kind of have a few pairs just laying around. Um, sometimes I listen to these when I'm, you know, listening to podcasts for sure. Like sometimes when I'm setting up gear in the studio and I got 20 minutes, I'll throw on a podcast or some music. You know, you got to get hyped up before the new video sometimes. But for workouts compared to AirPods, even the AirPods Pro, they do just stay in the ear better. And that's the feedback I keep seeing all around the internet. People are like, no, these stay in the ear so much better than AirPods. And that's been the case for me too. It's funny because everyone's ears are different. I think even between your two ears, there might be some differences because one bud with the same fitting and everything fits a little bit different than the other one. It always uh, tries to come out a little bit more than the other, even with the studio buds. But yeah, uh, that that alone, even though they're missing some features that the AirPods have that I love, I have just been going to those, especially if you're doing like weights or anything. Now, they're not as good as the power beats with that uh, little hook that goes behind your ear. That's going to stay in no matter what. But I also don't love wearing that even during a workout. It's like you have to wear that for certain types of workouts. It's just the thing to do. But I think even for jogging, you could do this. I, I wear them on the elliptical, on the treadmill, and uh, they stay in for me. So, yeah, that's an update. If you're really into working out, exercise stuff, fitness, and you're looking for something that's going to stay in, but you don't want to go that Power Beats route with the ear hook and AirPods just aren't working for you, I'd really consider the Studio Beats. Not for just everyday listening. They're so good for music. They're just missing some features, like I talked about in the video that AirPods have. So if you... You know, everything's contextual, right? It's kind of like with the paper likes. People are always like, hey, I heard paper like is this or that. And what I tell people with, with that is 
well, it's all about what you do and how you want to optimize your setup. So they're like, how can you put a paper like on your new 12.9 inch with that crazy new HDR screen? So it's the same thing with the beats. If you're optimizing for music or working out, then maybe consider these studio buds. On the other hand, if you're optimizing for just Apple ecosystem compatibility, you like the automatic AirPod switching, for instance, then go with AirPods. I thought I'd talk a little bit this week about just life as a YouTuber because I feel like we're past the era almost where it's cool to be a YouTuber. And I don't mean like, you know, I think I think people still consider YouTube as a job cool. People want to do it. But if you meet somebody in real life and they find out you're a YouTuber, it's not a big deal. And he, I've been thinking about it. Here's why. For instance, I've met several people and they've asked, what do you do? And sometimes you're like, you don't want to even go down the route of telling them because it opens up a whole can of worms. So sometimes you're just like video producer or I'm in marketing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I work with uh, some, some tech brands or something. If it does come down to telling somebody, the reactions are often not like, oh, wow, are you serious? A real live YouTuber. No, because it, it's just it's just a thing now. Everyone is online in some capacity and being a, an influencer, even if it's on a micro influence capacity you know you have a thousand followers or ten thousand followers it just doesn't you know it's not so exclusive as it used to be um now there's different levels and i feel like you really have to hit that one million mark of followers for it to be still truly impressive to somebody because here's the thing everybody knows of a favorite creator or youtuber in this instance that's more popular than i am so i've got you know, approaching 400,000 subscribers on the channel, right? But uh, everybody watches YouTube and everybody knows somebody with a million or more. And so when you say I'm a YouTuber, what they immediately go to and start talking about is their favorite YouTuber who's much bigger and cooler than you in their eyes. And it's almost like, oh, yeah, that's a nice little hobby, you know, and they don't know that it's a full-time business and is doing well for you or anything. They just know, oh, I know this person who's so much more successful, because that's the power of video and of YouTube. You kind of feel like you know the person behind the camera, even though you're not actually really friends, you know, but you feel like it sort of. You know a lot about them. And so in that sense, a person feels like they know all these big creators and then you're not as big. You almost like don't measure up to those people that they feel like they know. So it's not as impressive to people really as one might have assumed. And here's the other big revelation. I've had this week thinking about YouTube and stuff and the way things used to be and how they are now. It's, it's, I think when you start out and people are like, Oh, you can get free stuff as a YouTuber. That seems appealing to people. But once you're actually doing YouTube, there is a time when it's like, Oh wow, I, I can get this. But then as you graduate through the different stages of being a, uh, an influencer or YouTuber creator or whatever, and you're starting to work, you know, work with big brands and stuff, you get to the point where the free stuff, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't move the needle for you anymore. And I'm not saying that in like a braggy way or something. I'm just trying to tell people how it is because you get to the point where someone's like, I'm going to send you a free TV and you're like, I don't, I don't need that. And also that doesn't pay for my bills. You know, that doesn't help even the channel continue growing. All I'm doing is giving you some free publicity basically. And a TV is not going to do it or, or substitute TV for any other cool gadget or product or experience. And it's just interesting because once you get into doing YouTube 
or, you know, or TikTok, whatever, what, you know, and you reach a certain level, just the, the free stuff is not what moves the needle for you anymore. It's just not really all that meaningful. But I remember when I was starting out, it was like, oh, cool, I can get this free little camera or something from this brand I've never heard of. Oh, free gadget. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And later it was things like a gaming laptop or a TV, a nice TV. And I told you guys about that Huckberry sponsorship in one recent episode here on the podcast. And yeah, I used to get like free clothes and just free cool stuff around the house and stuff. But like I said, none of that stuff pays the bills. So we, we get offers all the time from brands saying, hey, we'll send you this. Can you cover it? And for years, we haven't taken those seriously because those brands don't sync up with where we're at in our experience. The serious players in the space know what it costs and are willing to pay and have the budget to work with a YouTuber properly. They know how to move the needle and make it a win-win situation for somebody. Because otherwise, you could be stuck in a house full of free TVs that you got to sell because you made no money. I think, though, what you can get for quote-unquote free that is worth something as an influencer or YouTuber is access sometimes. Sometimes access can be everything. It can be very valuable. So let's say you're Marquez and you had a phone to test for three weeks before it was actually public. And then everyone else has to run out to the store and buy it the day that it's released or just pre-order it. And you're already sitting there with experience and things to point out on day one. That's access. That's valuable. And that can actually translate into revenue because you've captured a bunch of attention before everybody else. Attention equals revenue, if you haven't figured that out, for YouTubers. Another form of access that can be very valuable is access to an event or access to a person. So maybe there's a big event and you get some behind-the-scenes access and you're able to get shots or information or uh, an interview with somebody that nobody else has access to. That can be valuable as well. So anyways, I thought that might be just kind of interesting because I know for the people who do think it's cool to, to be an influencer or start down that track and, and, you know, it's not the free stuff. You can't be in it for the free stuff because you if you build it, you'll get to the point where that doesn't matter. And if you're trying to get into the space, what you got to focus on is what are you passionate about and spending time doing stuff that you really care about. And honestly, that is what's cooler than getting free stuff. It's being able to have a job eventually where you can just interact with stuff that you are really passionate about, care about, that's fun to you on a daily basis for your job and get paid for it. And that will happen, I firmly believe, if you stick with it. But you got to, like I'm always saying, it's five years, it's 10 years of work. And a lot of it, it you know, when you're anonymous uh, and just learning and putting in the work. So you shouldn't come into it like, hey, I'm going to do this for a few weeks or months and I'll, I'll really put everything I have into it. No, you, you got to be prepared to do it for years and it can pay off and it probably will pay off, but you got to stick with it. So I, I even got this comment. Don't you think the paper light takes the edge off video quality? I mean, it's got to affect the screen quality. And I said, whether it does or doesn't isn't the thing. If you primarily use the iPad to take handwritten notes, then you should optimize for that. If you're primarily watching HDR videos, then optimize for that. Because a paper like it's not for everyone, but that's just like saying a ladder isn't for everyone. A ladder is for somebody who needs to access something that's up high that they can't reach otherwise. And a paper like is for somebody who wants that textured 
feel and sound of real paper and wants to, you know, protect their screen and wants to get rid of glare and fingerprints to an extent. That's what a paper like is for. It has some specific use cases. And I wouldn't say that it's for everybody. But people are smart. They can make up their own minds. My iPhone is still caseless this week. It hasn't gone back in the case. I've had a few drops, a few, you know, heart-stopping moments. But I have to say, nothing has pushed me back towards reapplying a case. I've just liked it too much. Plus, I kind of figure we're getting close to when the new iPhones are maybe going to be announced <laughs> in September or like two months away. So if something bad happens, you know, it won't be that long that I'll have to live with it. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll be like, eh, it's not worth fixing. Or I'm just enjoying the caseless phone life. Speaking of the Apple event, I'm looking forward to it. And specifically, speaking about the iPhone, I keep seeing the rumors where those camera lenses are getting bigger on the back, on the dummy units. And by the way, have I told you guys about the dummy units? So if you're always like, well, how do YouTubers get those? Um, There's actually somebody who goes around and contacts you, and they're like, hey, I got access to some dummies. Do you want them? But you don't get them for free. You got to pay for them. You got to buy them. And, you know, I don't know. The whole rumor thing and and getting somebody to build a CGI version of, you know, the leaks for you to show off. There's people out there doing that. I'm not super interested in that and trading in rumors because I like helping people get more out of their devices that they already own. Like doing more with what you have, not dreaming about what potentially might come down the pipeline, maybe. I'm doing something a little bit different with this podcast here lately. I, this is a whole nother subject here. And we're talking about experimentation and kind of trying new things. I think I it's time to finally get serious about YouTube shorts for me and also Instagram reels. I'm still not on TikTok and I, I don't know. I probably won't be. I'll, I'll leave that for other people right now. I understand there's opportunity and stuff. I don't want to spread myself too thin, number one. And it may just be really easy to repurpose something that I've shot for YouTube or for Instagram or something and and use it on TikTok. But still, I I feel like I don't have to be there. And so maybe I won't. I'm not going to be just dictating my schedule based on, number one, opportunities. Sometimes you just have to say no. If it doesn't feel right uh, or if you don't have the time or something, I'm not going to spread myself too thin um, trying to do that, even though there's probably some upside and benefit to doing that. I understand people get ridiculous views out of nowhere uh, on TikTok. And I understand there's money to be made on TikTok, but that's not the the final be-all, end-all thing for me either. So for this podcast, I'm just setting up, uh, I'm doing kind of like the document over create thing here. I've set up an iPhone. I can't even see the screen. And I'm just capturing this in vertical format as I'm sitting here talking. And then, you know, if there's a good clip or something from the podcast, maybe I'll post it on social. I haven't decided. I did a poll and people were like, hey, post this. Uh, video on the YouTube channel in its entirety. And I don't know that I want to do that on the main channel. And people are like, no, create a separate channel. That was the second most voted for thing. Uh, and upload it there with the clips. And, you know, I've tried it. I've kind of dabbled there. Maybe I'll do that. But for right now, I realize there's a lot of things that I can just document. And I don't have to worry about creating something. Just document and then use it. So I'm kind of doing that with the podcast right now. And maybe I'll start doing that when I'm at the desk or when I'm doing some other tasks, you know, do some more documentation and make some content out of it that way or get somebody to make some content that way. But yeah, YouTube Shorts and YouTube Reels. It's time, I think, to get serious. I can't really get paid yet for YouTube Shorts, but I'm interested in that format. It is kind of fun shooting something, you know, in vertical. And if you're on your phone, that's the this format that makes 
I won't say more sense because you can turn your phone horizontal, right, in landscape mode and still consume some content that way. But it, there's just something kind of different and fun. And uh, it's a different type of creativity to do a, a vertical up and down format. And I don't know. I've been seeing what Peter McKinnon is doing in the space. He's got two videos up that are shorts. And he's doing like more well-produced, professionally produced stuff for his YouTube shorts, which is different than what I see other people doing. And by the way, uh, I think for the type of stuff I'll be doing, probably won't be super music focused and heavy, which I know is like the thing. That's the history of, of those formats. But I see McKinnon and he's doing something different. He's not doing the music. It's more informational. He's kind of experiencing something and bringing the readers along for a ride. He's doing some coffee focused stuff. So that's kind of interesting, but he's experimenting too. And I, I feel like there's value there. And the tricky thing is fitting it into my schedule, number one, but I have some support that can help doing it the right way. Number one, that doesn't make the fans upset because you don't just want to litter your channel that people have subscribed to for a reason with this other thing, whether that's the podcast or whether that's shorts so you got to be intentional about it, I think. And this is the, the kind of stuff that I'm thinking through. Then number two, it's like, well, this is the real problem for a content creator like me is like, well, what information do I put where? Because you kind of have your main platform, whatever that might be for you. And sometimes you put your pillar content there and you can slice it up and repurpose it in other places. That's one way to do it. But maybe sometimes things deserve some original content too. Well, do you put your best stuff there in these unproven formats you know, or do you save that for your pillar content? And so how do you parcel up the information that you have inside of your mind and distribute it the best way to actually deliver value? Because, you know, I could probably put the same exact thing on a bunch of different platforms and that would work because, you know, I think the audience is very distributed. Not everybody that's on YouTube is on Instagram following me there and vice versa or Twitter and vice versa. And yet each place platform, it kind of has its own culture and tool set and best practices and number one it's kind of hard to stay on top of everything you know but number two I think each one kind of deserves to be used in its native way and format so I think I'm going to spend some significant time number one learning about it you know these different formats and number two doing something that's valuable that's native uh, and hopefully is useful I I don't really and at least I'm not good at it, I don't think, but I, I'm not really into creating just entertaining content. I'm more, I think, my niche and my my passion, I guess, is is creating something useful. So how can I do that in those formats? I'm thinking about it. I had some uh, interesting people contact me this week about working together with us. These are people that I I I know about since a long time ago. Um, I'm not can't I can't say who it is. But it's interesting always how certain opportunities kind of pop up. And this is what I'm talking about. If you just go out and do your thing, the opportunities will find you. Uh, the way that somebody put this, and I don't think I already talked about this, was it's like if you become the world's best, deepest diver, right? And somebody finds a, a hidden treasure, a sunken treasure, and they can't reach it and nobody else can reach it, who are they going to come to? They're going to come to the world's foremost deep diver, to go find it. And in that way, you'll benefit from, uh, you know, quote unquote, the luck of others. And you can kind of recognize opportunities and create opportunities for yourself. And I feel like that's kind of what happens when you're just doing your thing and enjoying it and not really worrying about the money. I know it's scary. People say, go do whatever you're, you want to do and don't worry about the money for a while. There is something to that. 
I mean, you do have to support yourself in some way and make time to do, to follow your passions, but there is something to it. And I've been seeing that playing out in the last, you know, months, just some cool opportunities have started popping up. And I feel like in some ways, it's almost like a rebirth for the channel and the brand because there's just lots of exciting things on the horizon, lots of opportunities, lots of opportunities to learn and to change and to grow. And I think that's all good stuff. All right, it's been 30 minutes, uh, so i got to be done for now. But I'm looking forward to the next episode and the next video and just all the next. So thanks for hanging out with me, and I'll catch you guys soon. Later.